Friends, this is the word of the Lord, the description of a royal visit to Jesus recorded for us by Matthew. Friends, you may be seated. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of the backlit with sweet baby Jesus lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling cloths and not making a peep. After all, the Christmas carol says, no crying he makes, right? And it looks a lot like this nice picture that I found on the internet, right? Notice how pious Mary and Joseph are too. They're praying, they're always praying, right? And let's be honest, where would our nativity sets be without the Magi, right? Without these wise men nicely paying homage to Jesus, surrounded by silent animals and humbled shepherds. Now, I'm not here to harp on the wise men being part of the Christmas story. And I, too, want my wise men to be part of the nativity set that my family puts up every year. In fact, we're always having to ask the kids, where are the wise men? June and Olivia, what have you done with them? They, they're not a toy. You got the veggie tail one. We got the nice one. But let's clear up some of the Christmas confusion that some of our Christmas carols, our traditions, our postcards portray about these guys and what their visit to Jesus really meant during this time of year. While there's a lot of speculation as to who these magi, wise men, three kings, who they were, there are some good indicators that we can get from history and from the scriptures that we can get a good idea of of a little bit more about these guys and what they were up to. First of all, and this may burst your bubble, it may mess up your nativity sets, but there was probably more than three of them. Now, we only see three portrayed, one, because it's more convenient, but two, because of the three gifts that were given of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and so we instantly think, well, there had to be three, one for each gift that was given. But just imagine how dangerous it would have been for three nicely dressed dudes to travel hundreds, if not thousands of miles, from a foreign country into the east, a lowly town of Bethlehem. Think of the danger it would have posed to them if it was just these three guys on three nice camels with these three very expensive and extravagant gifts. There were probably more than just the three that our nativity sets show due to their stature, the nature of the gifts, and they probably had an armed guard escorting them along the way. Now, imagine if I were to put, like, guys with swords and spears and shields in this. It kind of would ruin the Christmas picture, right? Second, they may not have been Jewish. The reference to them coming from the East is most likely a reference from them coming from modern-day Iraq or Iran, right? This is where the kingdom of Babylon once ruled the world from, And back in the days of the Old Testament, we read of the people of Israel being taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar back to the land of Babylon. And there we see four Jewish guys rise to prominence because of their faith in Yahweh, their God, to care for them even in the midst of their captivity. We know them as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Or if you're familiar with VeggieTales, Rackshack and Benny, you can go with that too. Daniel rose to particular prominence 
because of the wisdom that God gave to him, the skill that he had to understand the meanings of dreams and how that plays out in an empire and what it meant for those in positions of power. God gave him this ability to be wise and to understand signs and wonders. So this led Daniel to being appointed chief over all of the wise men, which would have included this group of guys, these magi that they were a part of. And because Daniel was chief over them, it is safe for us to assume that they became familiar with the scriptures and the prophecies concerning the birth of Messiah. It's not too difficult for me to fathom Daniel talking to them about Yahweh and about the prophecies and his care for his people, Israel. Now, one historian has observed about these men that they might have been Zoroastrians. That is a religious faith that was born in Iran. They, they might have been Medes or Persians, Arabs. They may have also had some Jewish ancestry if they were, in fact, uh, descended from Daniel. They probably have served as court advisors, making forecasts and predictions for their royal patrons based on their study of the stars about which they were quite knowledgeable. Friends, they were astronomers and they were also astrologers. They were scientists and believers of magic. These are the type of people that God is going to use in a miraculous way to testify of the true Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. The last thing I want to point out is their visit wasn't uncommon. I think for us, because we are so removed from the story, we think that this was like a special occasion, a once in a lifetime event. And yet it was their job to do exactly what they did with Jesus. There are other occasions where magi, similar to the ones in Jesus' story, maybe even the same guys who went from court to court to attend the birth or coronation of kings. And they would travel at great distances, giving similar gifts on these occasions. The magi were powerful and important people in their day. It would be similar to a foreign leader sending a delegation, sending dignitaries to attend our presidential inaugurations. Another example of the appearance of the Magi from history comes uh, at a time close to the appearance at the birth of Jesus when Tiridates, I can't even pronounce that right, I'm probably butchering that, king of Armenia, led a procession of Magi to pay tribute to Emperor Nero in AD 66. And Josephus, the great Jewish historian, recorded that Magi visited King Herod himself some 10 years before Jesus Christ was even born. So it wasn't uncommon for these guys to show up at events like this. But just imagine for a moment their timing of the visit in the life of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. And think for a moment what their presence would have communicated to the people of Israel. Friends, it's safe to assume their visit would not have gone unnoticed. Now, friends, let's look at Jesus and what was going on in Mary and Joseph's life and his life. Just, Just think about it. He's probably two years old at this point in the story. 
This means he was anything other than the perfect baby, silent and sleeping in a manger. He was an inquisitive toddler, probably getting into everything. For those of you with children, for those of you who've had children, for those of you who spend any time with children, I think I've covered everybody in the room, right? Think back to the terrible twos. Jesus was probably teething, putting everything into his mouth and running all over the house. Now imagine what Herod was thinking when this large royal entourage shows up into Jerusalem to inquire about the birth of a new king. They weren't seeking to see one of his kids, but the offsprings, offspring of another. This would have made an already paranoid Herod even more erratic, irrational, and dangerous. Do you remember anything about what happens after the Magi's visit, after they dupe King Herod? You remember that he decrees that every boy two years and younger who is in Bethlehem should be killed. Herod was deviant to the core. If you do any research on him, he was jacked up, friends. His family tree was crazy. He was a wicked, wicked man. Now think about what that visit by the Magi meant to the people of Jerusalem. We read in verse 3 that not only was King Herod disturbed by the news of the birth of a rival king, but all of Jerusalem with him. Now, I don't think that this means that the citizens were particularly fond of King Herod. His approval rating probably wasn't that high in the polls, friends. But what the people of Jerusalem understood is that what affects their ruler affects them too. And because the nation of Israel was under Roman rule, this meant that if things got out of hand between Herod and this newborn king, then Rome would intervene and that would not be a good thing for anyone. Now, all this is meant to paint the, a better picture that this time in Jesus's life is anything but a calm, peaceful scene. I believe Matthew's audience would have understood the level of tension as he recounts this visit by the Magi. They would have been holding their breath to find out if the baby Jesus and his parents lived to tell the tale. And so contrary to our nativity scenes, Christmas carols, and postcards, this time in Jesus's life was a time of turmoil, to say the least. But as we look at what the visit by the Magi meant for Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we understand a very important part of God's character and intent for our lives. It's not meant to just be a story for them, but it's meant to be a story for us. And I believe it communicates to us that God gives peace in the midst of turmoil. God gives peace in the midst of turmoil. There are any number of ways that God could have chosen to intervene in this story. But instead of speculating about what God could have done, we are left with an account of what he actually did. Instead of sparing this trouble, he provided the means for peace in the midst of it. How many times in your own life have you asked God to resolve a solution 
Have you asked God for peace? But instead, he allowed you to go through conflict. He allowed you to go through crisis. How many times have you prayed and asked God to take some hardship or headache away from you, but instead he's allowed you to walk through it? Have you ever wondered why that is? Why does God allow us to go through some of the things that we have to go through? Now, unfortunately, I don't have a one-sized answer for why God allows you specifically in your situation to go through what you have to go through in this world. But there are two key lessons I have found about God's character from this story and from other scriptures that I believe that will help us to find peace in the midst of tough times. Write this first one down if you're taking notes. God knows what you need before you do. Friends, God knows what you need before you do. I am convinced that God, in his wisdom, knew exactly what was going to happen when the Magi visited. I think God knew that even without the visit of the Magi, that King Herod would find out about Jesus one way or another and still try to exterminate him. Whether the Magi visited or not, I believe that God still intended to warn Mary and Joseph to flee from the madman Herod to Egypt. God knew what Mary and Joseph were going to need in order to survive their flight to and their time living in Egypt. And God knows exactly what you need right now at this very moment. It reminds me of the story of the garden when God gave Adam the job to describe all of the animals, to name all of the animals. Now, when we read the story of the creation account, the way our world was created back in Genesis, we read God describe in chapter one after every day that things were very good, right? God saw what he had made and it was a delight. But then in verse 2, or in chapter 2, something changes. We hear God say, it is not good. And what he said is it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. And so he was going to create a partner for Adam. But before he created Eve, he needed to show Adam Adam's need. Because God knew that Adam had a need long before Adam even knew himself. And so we're told that God had Adam name all the animals and that after naming all of the animals, Mr. and Mrs. Rhinoceros, Mr. and Mrs. Hippo, Mr. and Mrs. Giraffe, Mr. and Mrs. whatever, right? T-Rex, Velociraptor, okay? Imagine that for a moment. Now, friends, you don't need to be a biologist to understand that in the animal world, there is male and female, all right? Enough said. After this naming game, It's very clear in the text that it says no suitable helper was found for Adam. He didn't stop on Mrs. Orangutan and say, very good. God only knew what Adam, Mary, Joseph, Jesus, you, me, he knows what we need long before we know it ourselves. I believe the gift that he wants to give to some of you this Christmas is the gift of peace and trusting that he knows what's best for your life better than you do. 
better than you do. But not only does God know what you need before you do, secondly, God provides what you need at the right moment. Write that down, friends. God provides what you need at the right time. In our story, God gave to Mary and Joseph the gifts of the Magi just before he warns them to flee. Now imagine, if you will, having to carry the burden of those gifts for two years. Imagine if God would have given that visit of the Magi two years at Jesus' birth, like the postcard shows, and having to be Mary and Joseph and steward those gifts for two years and having to wait for two years to be able to use them. Imagine the temptation they would have faced to spend it on upgrading their little house or buying new clothes or the latest model camel, right? We often like to think of Mary and Joseph as the perfect couple, right? Never experiencing temptation like us poor suckers after them. But what if they were horrible at budgeting, right? Have you thought about that? Now forget about the for a moment about the possibility of Mary and Joseph being human like you. Let's pretend that they're still perfect like we somehow delude ourselves into thinking. Could you imagine the danger that they would have, that would have been posed to them had they had to keep these treasures a secret for two years? Imagine the visit of the Magi. The Magi come and give them these gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and they leave. And then an angel says, hey, Mary and Joseph, guess what? Don't use those things right now. You're going to need them sometime in the future. Just Trust me on it. I can't tell you when, but you will need it. So just be patient and wait. Could you imagine how dangerous that would be? There was no Brinks home security system, no ring doorbell cameras, all right? They could very well have been put at risk from thieves and unscrupulous characters coming in to steal these gifts that were intended to provide for them. So shortly after the visit of the Magi, God warns Mary and Joseph to take Jesus' and flee from King Herod. They were to go to Egypt. The timeliness of the Magi's gifts were meant by God to provide for them at just the right moment. Friends, there's a teaching of Jesus in Matthew chapter 10. I mentioned it last week about having a healthy fear of the Lord. Where we shouldn't be afraid of those who could kill our body, but be afraid of the one who could destroy your soul right? God is the all-powerful one. And there is a healthy dose of fear that we are to have. But then he continues saying this, like right after, there's no pause, there's no break. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? I don't know, I guess so. Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are still numbered. So do not be afraid you are worth more than many sparrows. What Jesus is saying, don't worry about a thing. Everything is gonna be all right if you trust in the Lord to provide exactly what you need in his timing because he knows what you need before you know even yourself. You're worth more than any bird in God's eyes. Perhaps what you need this Christmas is to practice the patience on waiting on the Lord to provide exactly what you need at the right moment, at the right time. 
He already knows your need, and he always already promises to provide. So maybe what you need is patience. I know that's kind of like swearing in church, right? Patience? Oh, that's hard. That's difficult. That's tough for me. God wants to give peace in the midst of the turmoil surrounding us. Friends, every time I turn on the news, I get this sense that our world is spinning out of control. Anybody agree with me? Like, people are losing their minds, freaking out. Both Democrats and Republicans, both Christians and non-Christians, if you spend any time in the news, you're going to get an ulcer. If I spend too much time freaking out about this world, and I'm about to go into the fire, friends, if I spend too much time freaking about that, then my life can get quickly get caught up in all of the chaos, and I can even become more paranoid, Walt, if that's even possible. But I'm confident that what God wants to teach each of us this year, the gift that he wants to give to each one of us this Christmas, is his gift of peace in the midst of the turmoil and chaos that is around us. But the question for each one of us is this, will we trust in him to provide the peace that he knows you already need? Will you wait for him to provide it, or will you choose to try to make your own peace in your life? Friends, the story of the Magi's visit teaches us that God knows what we need long before we need it ourselves. He'll provide it at the right time because he wants to give you his peace. Amen? Friends, let us pray.